This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za. It's Lauren Jacobs, it's Voice of Change, and it's Radio K Pulpit here with me, and it's going to be such a great show. Hope that you've been having a really, really great day, that it's been an amazing, amazing day for you, and that you've just been feeling the goodness of God, the peace of God, and that He's just really working in every single situation, circumstance that you may have today, that you're bringing up before Him. So amen and amen to that. Today on the show is going to be a wonderful one, a hard-hitting one, a great show that we have to address something that we have to talk about which is Christian persecution and particularly Christian persecution during COVID. Now we know that COVID has been affecting people's lives across the board, you know, up, down, middle, everywhere. You know, we know that this is happening. But what we don't often think about is Christian persecution. Now, I don't want you to change that dial or to think to yourself, I've heard about Christian persecution. I know I get the emails. I know what's happening. But really, there's other things to think about I don't want you to go anywhere because this is a show tonight we're not just touching on Christian persecution as in this is happening we're going deep tonight because I'm going to be joined by two individuals first up with me is executive director of Open Doors Jan Gous who's going to be talking to us about the recently released week old world watch list which outlines the severity of Christian persecution you know that is happening globally in our world and I'm also going to be joined by ICC regional manager the international Christian concern regional manager for Africa Nathan Johnson and let me tell you that Nathan speaks truth and he speaks really directly into the realities that we need to be thinking about today and he's going to be sharing a lot about what is actually happening on the ground in Africa, the kinds of persecution that's happening. We're going to touch on direct persecution, indirect, generational persecution, what we should be thinking of, how we should feel. We're going to be challenged. We're going to be really, really experiencing the truth of this situation. So I don't want you to go anywhere. Jan Huis is up with me after this. There is radio and radio. And then there is Radio Cape Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Can you hear the difference? Jan Gos, Executive Director of Open Door South Africa. Thank you so much for being with me on the show today, Jan. I am so looking forward to getting into what we're going to be talking about, the World Watch List and the persecuted Christians today. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Lauren. You know, every year it is such an important time for me when I'm waiting for Open Doors to release that world watch list, which obviously we know ranks, you know, the top 50 countries where Christians are experiencing severe and high forms of persecution. Now, sometimes people don't often know about the list or maybe this is the first time they're hearing about it. Hopefully not. But Jan, I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about the World Watch List, what it, exactly it is about, and you know how do you guys gather this information every year? Yeah, Lauren, it is uh, a list that we compile uh, through research that we do uh, in in these countries, uh, not only these countries, but in in uh, 
all the countries that uh, that we think that there are persecution. Hmm. So we do the research uh, in, in, on various uh, in various ways. Uh, the, the the research methodology is available on our website. People can go to the website and get a full uh, uh, explanation of exactly how we do it. But in short, what we do is we we, we have questionnaires uh, that we distribute in these countries and uh, we gather information and we also gather information from external parties that is involved in these countries. And then uh, we we research mainly on two different things. Firstly, we, we research the squeeze. Uh, here we measure the pressure mm -hmm. that Christians experience in all areas of life. And then secondly, the smash, this is plain violence uh, against uh, Christians. Now, the, uh, while the smash can be measured and tracked through reported incidents of violence, a squeeze needs to be tracked by discerning how Christians' life and witness is uh, being squeezed in all different areas of their lives. Now, we, we compile these questionnaires and we, we put it all together and we, we uh, give points to that and then it gets uh, also audited uh, by the Institute for Religious Freedom, International Institute for Religious Freedom, and uh, then we publish the top 50 countries where we think that persecution is the most throughout the world. Mm. This is such important research and such important realities that we are talking about because we are looking at it and we are seeing now that over 309 million Christians worldwide are being persecuted and that kind of breaks down to maybe one in seven, which is big. Could you tell us what are the top 10 countries that are listed for high forms of persecution? Because that to me is always interesting and I think also will tell the listeners a little bit about you know maybe if they want to focus prayer times on different nations what are the top 10 countries that you discovered now are experiencing this kind of persecution that's really high Lauren let me just go back to 309 million is only those that that experience persecution uh, a very high level of persecution and extreme levels of persecution in the top 50 countries in the world. Hmm. There are other countries where Christians are also persecuted. And if we gather all that um, uh, information where they experience high, very high levels of persecution and extreme levels of persecution, we get to 340 million. But let me let me go to the to the countries where Christians are extremely persecuted and mm -hmm. that is normally it was the top 10 now it's the top 12 countries in the world yeah. uh, number one for the for the 20th year in a row is North Korea it is the most dangerous place for Christians to to number two very very close to to North Korea is Afghanistan if you are a Christian in Afghanistan uh, and, and it is discovered you will probably be killed. Mm -hmm. The same with Somalia, that is number three on the country, uh, on, the, on the list, the, the third country on the list. Number four is, is Libya. Number five is Pakistan. Number six is Eritrea. Number seven is Yemen. Number eight is Iran. Number nine is Nigeria. Number 10 is India. 11 is Iraq. And 12 is Syria. 
This is incredible. I've also, you know, when we talk about North Korea and we consider the fact that for 20 years in a row, this country has been at number one. And yet there are Christians that are living there every single day. Human rights violations we know are happening as well every single day in that country. And when we consider that there are different things that are happening to Christians around the world in the millions, Jan, what what should this actually teach us as believers in South Africa? What should this shouldn't this stir something inside of us? You know, what if it's towards action? What should this challenge us in? Because sometimes we do get comfortable in our faith. We have this freedom. And even though, you know, we've had COVID now and lockdown has happened, we see a lot of people uncomfortable with the restrictions that we have as Christians now during the lockdown. But we know persecuted believers are living this way almost every single day for decades. What should this world watch list and this reality stir in us? Shouldn't it stir something inside of us to do something or shouldn't it challenge us? Most definitely, Lauren. You know, um, we are part of the body of Christ. And and uh, uh, Jesus said himself that uh, if he is persecuted, how much will his followers be persecuted? And we see that today. You know, in, in actual fact, we actually see a continuation of the book of Acts on, mm. on how Christians are persecuted throughout the world today. Now, if we, if we look at the, at the underlying uh, uh, factors here, we see that actually the freedom that we have as Christians are actually abnormal. Mm. The, persecute, the persecuted Christians are actually the ones that, that is the normal ones according to, to, to the Bible. And that brings some responsibility to us that we, in Galatians, the word says that, that we must look after, after one another. We must care for one another. And throughout the, uh, the word, we see that in, in Corinthians, when, when uh, Paul says to the Corinthians that, that you are part of the body and, and you must look after the, the parts of the body that is suffering. Mm. So we see that throughout the, the, the word. And what we can do the best uh, which is also the least that we can do, is to bring them before the Lord in prayer. We can pray for them. Uh, and, and not we can, we should, we must yeah. pray for them. Hmm. Yes, we should. It should be what we do. And you know, Jan, I was also looking, we have now seen China that has re-entered the World Watch List Top 20. They haven't been in there for many years, but with their re-entry has come the reality that we are now looking at with COVID-19 and, you know, restrictions that have come into different countries. And some nations have now taken advantage of these kind of restrictions and have made it difficult for Christians. Particularly, we see this in China. Is this a worrying reality for us that we see maybe governments or even terrorist organizations we've seen in Africa, different places just taking advantage of COVID restrictions, lockdown, or maybe things that are happening? Is this kind of worrying? Because here we are facing a pandemic and we are trying to survive you know, we are also mourning loved ones that we've lost. We are in a situation where we're thinking of all these things. And now we have our Christian brothers and sisters suffering, not only because of COVID, but because their governments are taking advantage. Should this be a worrying thing? And, and what should we think about this? Lauren, most definitely. 
Uh, there are three three trends that we pick up reg- regarding the COVID-19. Uh, firstly, the, the COVID-19 restrictions are used to spread Islamic extremism mm. in sub-Saharan Africa. Now, we call this the region immediately south of the Sahara Desert. We call this Sahel region. Mm. Now, Islamist extrem- extremism is fueled by injustice and poverty in, in this area. Some groups... Uh, to wage jihad against the infidels because they say it's because of them that Allah punishes us all with this pandemic. Now, Human Research Watch reports that despite the COVID-19 closures, there are more than 85 attacks on education outlets in Burkina Faso, Mali and Niger Niger, uh, between January and July of 2020. Uh, Christians reported that the lockdown made them sitting targets as security forces uh, appeared to collude with the marauders. Mm. The second uh, uh, trend that we see regarding COVID-19 is that governments are uh, uh, increase their surveillance and regulations on religions. Now, China extended its regulations and uh, of all religions using the need to contain the pandemic to increase its restrictions and surveillance. Now, these companies, including Huawei, supply artificial intelligence survey, surveillance technology to 63 countries. Now, some of these countries are known for their human rights violations mm-hmm. and targeting of ethnic and re- religious minorities. And then the last one regarding the COVID-19 is that it worsens Christians' defensiveness. The pandemic has highlighted and worsened uh, the social and economic and ethnic defensivelessness of millions of Christians worldwide. It appears to be a catalyst for often hidden attitudes and oppression and repression to surface in discriminatory acts or, uh, or expression such as online hate speech. And in many countries, Christians were ex- excluded from emergency aid and lockdowns meant that many were confided, uh, confined in spaces uh, with those who are hostile uh, to their face. Mm-hmm. Now, these, these are the, the main trends that we see regarding COVID-19. And it is very worrying that Christians now are targeted more than ever before. Mm. It is worrying because we're wondering when is this pandemic going to come to an end, but certain things can continue happening in these countries. You know, the surveillance can continue even after the pandemic is gone and the pressure can be put on to people so much more. So like you said, we should be praying for our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted. Jan, I want to say thank you so much for shedding so much light on this reality for us today. And in closing, is there anything you would like to say to, you know, Christians listening today about the persecuted church? Yes, Lauren, we, we, we need to think of them. We need to pray for them. And, and, and if you as a listener is, is, uh, you are, touched by by their plight and you want to be involved with them if your answer is yes then you need to act today Mm -hmm. you can become an open doors partner by some signing up for our newsletter and our prayer calendar and and by doing this you will keep yourself informed of what is happening to the most persecuted you can also download the 2021 world watch list uh, uh, map today 
and and then you can start to pray focused because there are prayer points on that map and then yes uh please continue to pray for our brothers you are listening to radio cape pulpit on 729 am your radio compass on the road to true living Joining me, International Christian Concern, ICC Regional Manager for Africa, Nathan Johnson. Nathan, it is so good to have you with me today on the show. I know that we're going to have such an informative time, such a good time, that we're going to be sharing with our listeners about Christian persecution, what is happening in the world. So welcome to the show, firstly. Thank you so much for having me on, Lauren. It's it's great to be here. Now, I know that during COVID, you know, we are very, well, we have been specifically around the world as well, super focused on what's happening, obviously, in our own countries, which is relevant and what's happening in our own families, our communities, which is so important. We know this has been a very, very intense time, a tough time for people. But one of the things that we have sometimes kind of not thought a lot about, I'm talking about just in general, is the persecution of Christians and how this has actually increased so dramatically during, you know, COVID-19, 2020 as well. And what are we actually witnessing? Can you fill us in specifically in Africa, because that's the continent that we are on over here. What is actually happening with Christians during this time? Like I say, persecution has increased, but what do we see actually going on? Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. This is a very important topic to be talking about and discussing. Um, specifically, ICC is here to try and help build awareness of persecution around the world. Uh, and, and that's really important because, as you said, uh, it's not something that's very focused on a lot of times, right? Christians are often persecuted, but I feel like, uh, especially in the West, people think um, that persecution is something of the past, it's something the Romans did, and, and people in ancient times did, um, where they killed and murdered Christians. Uh, but that's still going on today, and honestly, at a rate uh, far greater than any time in history. Uh, that's, what's, that's what a lot of people don't understand. With that being said, persecution has absolutely increased uh, during this time of covid um, you'll see a lot of times uh, when things like this happen, communities want to come together in a certain sense. Um, as you said, our countries are, are very much focusing on themselves in a lot of ways uh, time of COVID. Uh, but what that usually also means is it's the strong communities, it's the majority communities that are coming together. Uh, and where Christians are often the minority in countries, uh, that's where we see a massive spike in persecution during times like this. Uh, so COVID has meant uh, for a lot of Christian communities across Africa and around the world uh, has not only meant uh, fear of sickness due to the virus itself, um, but also socioeconomic struggles uh, due to loss of jobs or um, inability to get jobs, uh, complete persecution or or um, denial of aid due to their religious background, um, as well as many other factors where we've seen um people using this time of lockdowns to attack uh, and target Christian communities. Uh, and some examples that we've seen and that, that ICC has tried to work and help with uh, during this time. Uh, in Kenya, we've seen uh, communities in the coast of Lamu County uh, where COVID aid is being given by the government for the express purpose of helping those in need. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's being given to the leaders in that area where uh, Muslims hold the majority and those leaders are then giving it to mosques to distribute. And the mosques are turning away elderly Christian families 
on, on a regular basis. Those families who are needing this aid, families who uh, are starving, who don't have the ability to care for themselves uh, during this time are being denied aid purely on the fact that they are not part of that mosque or part of that community uh, and, and that they're Christian. Wow. Uh, we also see, we've seen during this time in um, in Nigeria, there, there is a conflict going on that you you may or may not have heard about. Uh, we refer to it as the Middle Belt Crisis. It's uh, Fulani herders or Fulani militants is what we call them mm -hmm. uh, that are moving south into Christian farming communities, destroying, killing Christians and forcing them off their land. This has been happening for a decade or so, wow. but specifically in the state of Kaduna uh, uh, in the Middle Belt, the governor has been using um, COVID mm -hmm. uh, lockdowns. He, he's been locking down communities, trying to stop the spread of the virus. Very likely that is his intent. Uh, but these militants are using these lockdowns in order to target communities who can no longer move or flee from their area. Uh, they are locked in at home at night. Uh, and we've seen multiple villages get destroyed and lots of people get killed during this time uh, because of this decision. Uh, again, not saying that the government itself is expressly trying to do this. Yeah. Uh, there, there are some groups saying that, but um, it, it is a clear sign that it's not working uh, because these communities are being targeted when they're at the most vulnerable. Um, and this is not, these are the two most um, cases that ICC has helped in, uh, but it's clear across the continent that this is happening to especially minority Christian population in a country. Uh, we've seen this kind of thing happen in Sudan as well, in Eritrea, where uh, religion's basically for, even forbidden. Um, Somalia, where Christians are targeted on a regular basis anyway, have not been able to get aid because if they try and stick their uh, their necks out to get this aid, they will likely be killed anyway. Um, throughout Africa, this is taking place. And again, around the world, it is as well. Mm. This is so incredibly important for us to be talking about because exactly what you were saying is Christian persecution is happening, but you're talking about the Middle Belt crisis, which you, you reference has been happening for over a decade. This is not something that we often hear about. But again, what is the response globally? Because what we've seen is actually human rights violations, not so, even though these, you know, possibly we refer to them as minority groups. We know that minority groups around the world do often get persecuted and, and kind of get re things happen to them that we kind of refer to as they kind of get the raw end of the deal. But this is human rights violations. So what is the step to, is there a step that can be taken to deal with this situation? Is it because of the weakness of these governments in these areas or people just like you also said, terrorists, you know, different groups taking advantage of the situation? But is there things that can be done, you know, in a bigger scale? We have laws internationally that do protect people, but what is the response? How do we deal with this kind of thing? Yeah, there are absolutely things we can be doing. Um, I would say one of the amazing things for ICC that we saw during this time is a, a great response by uh, faithful men and women throughout um, around the world during this time. We saw a, a huge increase, uh, or we saw a large increase in funding during this time, which a lot of people did not. Uh, and that's because of the faithfulness of, of men and women around the world. Uh, and, I, and I would like to think that we are doing good work, that they, they want to take part um, and so we were able to step in and help uh, thousands of families around the world uh, during this time, giving them just immediate aid that they were needing food and shelter and clothing uh, that they needed at that exact time. So that's one way is working with um, 
NGOs and nonprofits that are specifically working to help combat the idea of COVID and persecution. There's, there's a lot of groups like that. ICC is just one of them. Uh, but this is one specific way that you can definitely step in and help. Um, we can't leave off prayer. Uh, mm-hmm. I've traveled now uh, around Africa uh, a dozen times over the past three years since I've been with ICC. Um, and, and the first thing that the persecuted always ask for, literally the first thing is always prayer. Wow. Um, most of the time they're not concerned about money or, or the uh, direct aid. What they need is hope. What they need is uh, that idea of fellowship, that idea that the church is not forgotten them, uh, that God gotten them. Uh, and so we need uh, people around the world, faithful, uh, the faithful to step up and to be praying for their persecuted brothers and sisters. We all have our own issues in our everyday life, lives, yeah. um, but that does not mean we can forget uh, those who are being um, attacked and slaughtered for their faith, for, for, uh, for God, for our Father. Um, we, we have to be able to step up and say it. Uh, we are praying and, and, and lifting them up to, to God to to at least stay strong and stay faithful in, in this uh, time of hardship. Mm-hmm. Um, ICC also doesn't only do assistance. That's one of our main priorities is, is stepping in to bandage the wounds of those who are suffering. Mm-hmm. As I said before, we do awareness. We're trying to get people to understand what is taking place around the world. The third thing we do is advocacy. Uh, we do work alongside uh, the United States government to try and help change some of these laws and policies uh, in countries that uh, we have close relationships with. Um, we, we've done a lot of work in the past to, uh, with India with um, anti-conversion laws that are taking place there currently, where it's literally illegal uh, to become Christian if you are already Hindu. Uh, so we're trying to work uh, alongside our government to put pressure on foreign governments uh, to try and stop these kind of laws from being allowed to take place. Uh, as you said, though, in, uh, specifically uh, in, in sub-Saharan Africa, it's really tough when governments often don't have control over their full uh, landmass, their full population. We've got groups like Boko Haram, who for the last 20 years has been running rampant through northeastern Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nigerian government is trying to defeat them, is trying to fight that, uh, that insurgency. Uh, but just two days ago, they had another military base taken over, um, showing that even after 20 years of fighting, they haven't been able to to fully rid themselves of this this terrorist entity that's taking place. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got Al-Shabaab based in Somalia, who um, the Somali population is vast majority Muslim, and so most of the attacks that take place are hurting Muslims in that country. Uh, But as I said before, there is a Christian minority that is truly the underground church. They cannot come out. If they come out, they will die. That, that is just everyday life for them. And it's something that uh, most of us, again, in the West, just do not understand. Uh, we have freedoms to be able to say our faith and to be able to to openly worship. That's not the case for them. They have to stay hidden. Uh, and then for Kenya, who is a Christian-majority nation, um, who in most ways is is a shining light in a pretty rough part of the world. East yeah. Africa is rough in a lot of ways. Um, they, they share a border, though, with Somalia and al-Shabaab. Uh, is very unhappy with the Kenyan government for trying to support the Somali government for the past decade in in their fight. Um, and so Al-Shabaab sends militants across the border uh, to target, attack, and kill Christians in Kenyan villages along that border. Um, and, and, I mean, the U.S., who's one of, 
is one of the most powerful governments in the world has lost to terrorists every now and then. I mean, we've, we've mm. September 11th, 2001, we absolutely yeah. got a major terrorist attack that we tried to stop and we couldn't. I mean, we just weren't able to do it. So the Kenyan government can't be completely faulted for their inability mm. to stop terrorist attacks like this taking place. Um, it's just a constant battle uh, that, that people need to understand is going on every day for, for uh, Christians' lives and their families' lives. And exactly like you said, I think that's why advocacy is so important and creating awareness is so important because often in the West, and I consider South Africa being, you know, almost 80% Christian nation and having freedom of religion as being people that don't really often think about these realities, you know, even though it's happening very close to home. And I was reading the World Watch List as well last week that was released and just seeing different nations, you know, in Africa coming up on that list again, Mozambique, where a lot of us go on holiday, you know, being a, a country that's now where Christians are being persecuted and those levels are rising. We don't think about these realities too often and obviously it, no one is to really blame for that but that's why it is so important to create this awareness and for us to have an ongoing conversation because we do slip into our own lives a bit and so we need to be thinking about this and you are raising such important issues that we need to talk about today and it's so incredibly valuable and I wanted to also ask you a little bit about you know, generational persecution, which happens. And it does happen in Africa quite a lot as well. Maybe some people don't really understand what that is. But can you sh shed a little bit of light on that? You know, because that does happen, generational persecution. So maybe the listeners want to know what actually is that and maybe how they can pray for that as well. Yeah, I mean, this is a huge deal. Uh, actually starting a full initiative right now in Pakistan uh, called gener Generation Transformation, which hits that idea of generational persecution. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people will have heard the term generational poverty. It's the idea that once a family gets into poverty, it's hard for them to get out of it through the generations because they can't yeah. provide uh, the finances, the support, the education uh, for their children to be able to get out of that poverty. It's the same thing with persecution. Uh, this is specific uh, to many countries that are um, anti-Christian in a lot of ways. So uh, we, we've seen it a lot in areas like Egypt, where the the government um, has very strong Islamist ties, or especially in the past, has had very strong Islamist ties. Or Pakistan, or again India, um, or throughout Africa, you'll see it again in, in Eritrea, where the government is uh, up there with North Korea for their repression of freedom, um, where they will not allow anybody to claim their faith unless they've made the statement that they're the government and the government first, uh, which obviously is something that we as Christians cannot do. I mean, yeah. Our loyalty is to, is to God first and only. Um, so, so generational persecution is that idea that uh, the government or the community that you live in has held your family back, has, has um, stopped your family from being able to, to, to continue your faith, and it follows generation after generation where they are holding you down and, and persecuting you uh, constantly throughout uh, throughout generations and, and doing it in a way to continue to keep themselves in power and keep you kind of uh, lower level. And I think uh, one of the best ways, I, I know you're talking specifically about Africa, but this is something yeah. that people need to understand too, is India, uh, there's still a caste system there. And if mm. people don't know what a caste system is, uh, there is levels of society uh, which have privileges above others, which is um, supported by the government. And the lowest caste is called the untouchables. Uh, if you touch these, uh, uh, these these people, 
you literally can become one of them. You, you're not supposed to look at them. You're not supposed to talk to them. You're not supposed to touch them. They're so unwanted in their society. Uh, and this is who makes up the majority of Christians uh, in that country because nobody else will talk or deal with them. Nobody else wants to have anything to do with them. Um, and they are kept in that place based off of their society. Uh, they are not allowed um, access to a lot of government aid. They're not allowed access to any kind of uh, educational aid. Um, they're not allowed access to any kind of jobs that will get them out of the place that they're in. Uh, and this is a lot of times based off of either just their ethnicity or, or just their religion. Yeah. Um, and you can see that across the world many places. So. Um, I, I think this is a huge problem, um, and it's something that we need to come together as a church to try and fight. Um, this is this is incredible. Obviously, I, as a journalist, have traveled a lot around the world and have met so many different people and know so much about the untouchables and have friends that work in those communities. And so, you know, to hear about it, you kind of get used to hearing about it and used to people working in those areas. But for people, maybe even listeners that have not encountered this reality before, I really do also encourage you to go and read up on what this is about, you know, because it is so absolutely crazy for our minds to consider that this is a reality sometimes people are just born into certain you know a certain community and then they become you know just part of those people that are called the untouchables people can't talk to them people can't touch them we see it actually in movies as well that maybe some of the listeners have watched so this is so incredibly important and thank you so much for explaining that to us because it's something that we need to think about and so i really wanted us to end off with you know talking about you know some of the direct and indirect persecution that is happening I know that you have alluded to it and have mentioned it, but I know that maybe it will be good just to break that down to say this is the direct ways that persecution is happening. This is the indirect ways. And then, you know, I think the listeners can do so much with that information and say, okay, how can I pray for this? How can I maybe help or fund or aid or do something about it? So, Nathan, will you shed some light on that for us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this is is such a wide topic. It's it's hard to... Mm-hmm. Um, break down fully, but we can talk about some specific examples. One thing people need to understand, if there is something evil that you can do to somebody else, it is being done to Christians for their faith. Um, If somebody can come up with something uh, mean to do, some evil act that they can do, it is being done to your brothers and sisters around the world today. It's just the way it is. Um, But specifically looking at, uh, and Again, I, I oversee Africa and our Africa operations, so I will be looking at this through the Africa lens mainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see terrorist groups, again, Boko Haram in Nigeria, are using terrorism uh, as an act of persecution. What they do is they go into villages, destroy churches, attack pastors, kidnap and kill uh, those who are, are trying to generally just live out a normal, everyday, peaceful life. Uh, but they're using that terrorism as a way to gain power and influence in a region that uh, they want to see become a caliphate, right? That's, that is their entire goal, is to see Islam become the dominant religion in that area with nobody else having any say in what takes place. Uh, and so Christians are literally losing their lives in that location. Uh, what you'll see also is in uh, Uganda right now, we're working with many uh, what we call MBB families, and that's Muslim background believers. Um, these MBBs are often people who grew up in strictly uh, Islamic believing families. Uh, and then at some point during their lives, they heard the gospel and their heart just absolutely broke and reacted to that to that message. Uh, and when they decide to convert, uh, many of these families decide that they can no longer 
relationship with that person. Uh, they kick them out of the home. They take all of their possessions. They uh, fire them from any jobs that they had. They stop paying for their education if they were. Uh, and so this this often comes down to a very economic form of persecution. And uh, it, it often is said like, hey, you we will start to support you as, as soon as you reconvert back to Islam. Mm. So they're using uh, the idea of money uh, as a way to stop these people from being able to live out their faith faithfully uh, and wholly. And so uh, that's something you'll see in a lot of uh, different majority other religion um, groups around the world. But this is taking place very heavily right now in Uganda. As I said before, we're seeing with al-Shabaab pushing into Kenya, uh, the main way that this is taking place in Kenya is there's two things. One, al-Shabaab pushes into majority Christian villages, knocks on doors, uh, wants to see IDs to see if the person has a Christian name or it just says that they are a Christian on their ID. Uh, if they are, they pull those men out into the street and execute them there on the spot mm. very often. Uh, and this looks like usually beheadings are being shot in the back of the head. Um, the other way is they are stopping buses that are traveling between major cities. Uh, they're along the, the, the border between Somalia and Kenya. Uh, they pull all of the passengers off and separate them between Christian and Muslim. And when they find people who are Christian, they execute them there on the spot. Uh, they often try and make them convert. Uh, and if they convert, they may be, they may live, they may not as well. Um, but they're just trying to get them to give up their faith. Uh, and when they do give up their faith, uh, or, or when they don't give up their faith, they are told you're going to die and then they execute them. Uh, we see it, um, a lot right now, as I said, in Eritrea, one of the most repressive and under, least understood countries in the world, uh, where in order to become, they have four legal religions in the country right now. Mm -hmm. They have the Lutheran Church, they have uh, the Eritrean Orthodox Church, the Catholic Church, and then Sunni Islam are the only four allowed religions. But before you can join any religious institution or become part of a church there, you have to make four promises. Uh, you have to promise to turn in any evangelists that you find, and you'll get paid to do so. You'll get paid a couple months' worth of uh, of money uh, of work to if you turn in those trying to proselytize. Um, you have to promise that your loyalty is to the government, not to the church. Mm -hmm. you, you, you will uh, do whatever the government says. You have to promise that you're not going to carry a Bible around. Uh, you can have it in your home, and you can have it in the church, but nowhere else. Uh, and then the last promise uh, is that you um, will not try and spread the gospel hmm. to anyone, anywhere. It is for you and you alone, um, and, and that's something that you're allowed to have in and of yourself, but you're not allowed to pass that message around. Uh, and so this is just a form of hmm. persecution. It's not uh, about anything other than control and power by the government. The government is afraid uh, of losing their power, and in order to control their population, they're just saying you're not allowed to have any beliefs that we don't tell you you can have. Come praise the Lord with us. Pray with us. Come thank the Lord with us. Radio Cape Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. I don't know about you, but I feel like I have learned a lot today and been encouraged, but also challenged. I'm encouraged, one, because there are amazing people working on the front lines of this reality of Christian persecution. And not just during COVID, but during, you know, the decades and decades where this fight has continued. I'm also encouraged because we know that as this happens and people are taking the initiative and they're taking ownership to be the change that they want to see and to make the change on the ground with these communities, 
we know that this can change people's lives and encourage people and also that we can know that we have a part to play in praying in supporting in funding if that's what's necessary and also in creating awareness we need to ourselves create awareness use social media to create awareness about these 309 million brothers and sisters right now who are experiencing severe persecution for being a christian in different nations even in our continent and you know what i'm also challenged i'm challenged because nathan shared with us real real stories real realities real situations of persecution that's taking place in africa and not only in africa we see in pakistan in india in china and you know what these are places that yes we go to on holidays well and these are places that we don't think where our brothers and sisters are being persecuted we need to think about this family come on we should be praying we can be proactive and i know that sometimes we pray and god doesn't answer our prayers or we don't see an answer but we can be assured that he hears us when we call to him because he says that we must seek we must ask we must knock and you know what let us continue to do that so that his arm is moved and you don't know your prayer can impact someone's life right now even after the show say a prayer with me because i'm going to be doing that pray let us pray for the persecuted believers right now and let us lift them up and let us not stop lifting them up it has been such a great show on voice of change tonight it has been phenomenal for me i pray that you've enjoyed it and that you will be so blessed and encouraged and challenged to keep on praying for the persecuted until next week take care you are tuned to radio cape pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m radio that cares 24 hours a day This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za.